Greetings, ladies and mental gents, and welcome to this patch video for the web novel First Contact, written by Ralts Bloodthorn, which is available on both Royal Road and HFY. The links for them will be down below. And as always, I hope that you enjoy, and if you do, please consider supporting the channel. First Contact, Chapter 60 Cock Picard Captain's personal log, star date 8532.272. I've seen a couple of Space Force fleet actions, two in real time, in real life, and I've never seen this much scattered metal around a system. It isn't that the precursors are more powerful. Some of their tech is laughably ancient. It's just that there are so many of them, but the big ones are just so tough. Just because it's ancient doesn't mean that it's useless. Throwing a rock is ancient, yet is not a C-plus cannon just throwing a large rock at really high speeds. It's because common knowledge that boarding parties are the way to go when it comes to Goliaths and the new ones that have showed up, the Kaiju class. It's either try pound something the size of a subcontinent into the dirt, or board them and blow the strategic intelligence housing. Space Force has tried to take a few alive, but they always have charges to blow out the AI core. Sometimes they are completely suicide and your casualties include the entire boarding force as well as any nearby vessels. Contrary to suggestions, you can't just disable the engines and let it drift into the sun, because each of the battle wagon class or higher will control the smaller ones and seek to rebuild the engines and get it running again. So, a Jotun settle on the wreck of a Goliath and Space Force had pounded until you could see through it and jump into hull space with it despite disabled engines and an estimate destroyed hull core. Apparently, there's negotiations with the rulers of the Eye of Terror system to let them call for a new Black Crusade since they are the masters of hellscape in the Confederacy. Some people aren't too sure about it, since the last time these guys went full on Black Crusade was after the Mantids glassed Terrasol, and while I feel nervousness about such a prospect, these may be truly bordering on desperate times. Some guys named Gulkek, who the Terran Navy saved back when I was still checking out the Precursor world, are allowing Starfleet to put shipyards and full starbases in their system. The race is eagerly petitioning to be allowed to join Starfleet and the Federation as members of the Confederacy. One of the things that us Federation LARPers dislike about the Confederacy is there is no prime directive. We're not supposed to interfere with unprogressed Xenospecies, but the Confederacy has no such restrictions and disrupt those Xenospecies' natural progression. We've had to set aside our knee-jerk dislike for the Confederacy offering citizenship or freeing worlds that the Terran Navy or Space Force defends. There's a whole, are these species ready for it questions that comes into the Prime Directive. It's one of the reasons we're all an ally organization but are not full members of the Confederacy, despite our members having the ability to become Confederate citizenry. But what we've seen, I mean, the things we've seen... My crew and I shall never forget. Some of the crew doesn't like that I'm gun-running in their eyes, running a nanoforge to arm some of these species, but my red shirts all agree with it. Even my Spock agrees with it. There's genocide going on out there. That word, it doesn't really describe what's going on out there. Extermination is closer, but still it lacks the sheer scale of what is happening. We've been out here for only a little over than a month. I think it's getting to my crew. 
I might have to do another LFG. Picard 8873 Captain's Personal Log, Stardate 8532.279 Five days, that's all it's been. Five days. It feels like forever. McCoy put me under. I was standing in the ready room, screaming at the crew that wasn't there. I slept for two days straight. We stopped them. I ran the cloning tanks to respawn pods dry, ran the nanoforge and the creation engines to slush, dropping red shirts and kaiju until the boarding party finally got to the strategic intelligence housing and blew it up with a proton torpedo head that had been packed the whole way. You can't use transporters. That should have been obvious, and I wasted the first two launches of red shirts. The transporter uses a digital signature to move and then recreate a being. Of course, the precursors would have digital signal noise removers and capture cards. After we killed the brain, we sought out where the kaiju was storing the signals of our red search. I was glad we did. Imagine being stuck in a buffer forever where someone keeps loading you into a sadistic Cardassian torture chamber to rip apart you and examine you, with your memories being updated in the buffer while you're being tortured. Meanwhile, your suds won't go off because you're only stuck in a buffer. Still, five days we managed to sweep the system. We kept the kaiju from making any planetary landings or attacks. I shot a proton torpedo nanoforges into slush, even used the transphasic torpedoes during the fight. I had possessed doubt about allowing weapons powerful enough to scrap Borg cubes, which are prohibited from most ladder rank fights, from being used in IRL zones. The precursor kaiju would not have hesitated. I reconfigured all shuttles into assault shuttles. 19th Guard Old Metal came thundering into the system with a hyperspace rumble that you could feel in your chest. It's an astonishing sight to see all the metal exit hyperspace a division at a time, already cleared for action at the red alert, hearing space roar with the old Soviet anthem till the stellar body's stellar wind chimes in the something is not not many experience. We'll be granting a crewed eight days of leave in the 19th Guard recreation ship in rotations. I expect it to be back in action in 14 days. On a personal note, I wonder if there are any catgirls that will be aboard the recreation ship that might be looking for a yiffing. Picard 8873 Captain's Personal Log, Stardate 8532.279 Some of my fellow Federation Starfleet officers questioned my decision to go with an old Trek-class vessel. The newer ones all look impressive, where old Trek is designed very sturdily if you are being polite. Some of the new Trek stuff can look good because of the how integrity feels hold up the ship together, during evasive maneuvers as well as during combat. When non-canon designs are ready being approved, I added the Enterprise Class Hull Integrity Fields to the Dakota as backup and used the new track alloys and structural designers for additional strength. Yes, the Dakota would be completely rebuilt by canon again, but I made the right decision despite the mocking of my peers. I outmassed my fellow America-class Super Dreadnoughts by a factor of three. Using the more modern Abrams-era warp drives that are only partial cannon, I am able to offset the mass to acceleration issues. I can mount heavier weapons and more of them and, on the advice of my Riker, who was a Space Force Commodore before he retired, I installed nearly four times the point defense. While the Dakota may look like a floating Erector's set had sex with a Lego set to some other captains, I have faith in my crew's suggestions. 
With that, I am ordering the Dakota to answer the distress beacon in a nearby system. Picard 8873. Captain's personal log, Stardate 8532.283. Have rendezvoused with two Klanon and three Romulan battle groups, several Constitution class and a new Gen Galaxy class, which I outweigh by a factor of six, are with these guys' groups. We plan to jump to the outer system, keeping a gas giant between us and the rest of the system. Some of my fellow Federation officers doubt that the Dakota meets Starfleet appearance rules by the Klanons were very appreciative of it. These are not regrown Klanons, but rather natural-born from Klanon itself. Romulus class mining vessel is with us. Having seen these in action, Confederate is high amongst my allies. It is these first engagement against the Precursors. My Spock and I have tried to convince them about the dangers, but they refuse to believe it. They are convinced that they will overpower a hundred million year old technology like the Precursors are using. I attempted to convince them to use transphasic torpedoes and ship phaser technology, but they refused as it is only semi-cannon. Picard 8873 Captain's Personal Log Stardate 8532.286 We jumped to beside the large gas giant on the outer system, quickly raising shields and launching probes to get a look at the system. There are five settled planets in the Green Zone and the Amber Zone, two of them already under ground attack. We were still discussing countermeasures for the ground attacks when everything came apart, so to speak. Three Goliath-class precursor vessels rose out of the gas giant and immediately brought us to action. My Riker immediately ordered a photon torpedo base to be loaded with transphasic warheads and rolled us away from the precursor, firing our heavy phasers. The new-gen Galaxy class took a full barrage of NCV cannons from the entire forward batteries of the single Goliath and broke up. They had only been using debris shields and had not believed that the precursor ships mounted batteries 10 kilometers thick and 100 kilometers long. Literally thousands of guns. The Romulan ships went to stealth. Their plan to go after the engines. Klanons, of course, closed the distance, intending on performing a strafing runs. All three Goliaths were disabled and sunk into the gas giant streaming vast strands of vaporized metal. With that, our patchwork armada made its way in system, registering four more Goliath-class vessels, including one that was landed on a dead planet with no ocean or atmosphere. The Romulus-class mining vessel moved to attack that one with the idea that it was a dead ship without shields, as it had suffered severe damage to its armor. They said the best laid plans are laughed at by God, and that is how it quickly went. The planet-bound Goliath opened fire with its guns at extremely close range. The mining vessel was disabled within ten minutes. Falling into the gravity well, its attempt to use the mining lasers came to no effect. The other Romulan vessels kept going for the engines on the other machines, Once, we became engaged in close to five more Goliath-class raised up from the smaller gas giants. The battle was fierce, as was this writing that I'm not even aware of any vessels still in action. We are currently using our superior speed to keep the precursors from the planets while our nanoforges are creation engines de-slush. Picard 8873 Captain's Log, Stardate 8532.296. The crew of the Dakota has performed above all expectations in the defense of System 8871-D2. 
Despite the losses of our allied vessels, despite the unexpected recovery of three initially engaged Goliaths, we have prevailed. The system has been cleared of the precursor threat both in system space and on planet's surface. An important piece of data is that it appears that the precursors have decided that they have to survive to enjoy the resources, so any expenditure of resources necessary for a quick victory is a logical outcome. Forced precursor vessels to retreat from system to conserve resources. The precursor vessels should take time to repair before returning. My Spock concurs. We are currently returning to Starbase 4973 in the Gulkak system for refit, repair, and rearming. We will suggest stationing a garrison forces at System 8871-D2. End of chapter. First Contact Chapter 61 Cock Captain's Personal Log Stardate 8532.299 Arrived at Starbase 4973 with the Dakota and our crew. Turned over information to the local Starfleet representative as well as Sud's data for the other ship's crews. Spoke to Commodore Dunstan of Starfleet, who requested a template for what the changes the Dakota had undergone. Was counseled that my point totals would not count towards any ladder rankings due to the extreme non-canon changes to the Dakota, as well as my crew personnel armaments and shuttle modifications. In shocking news, the Battle Starfleet and the Cylon Collective have arrived. Talk about big guns. Those guys carry big creation engines that can pump out a Viper or Cylon fighters in roughly 10 seconds, with only 30-second cooldown slushdown features. Met with the Space Force representative and turned over my battle logs, he, in particular, wanted the in-depth scans we performed on the various precursor ships. Our practice of boarding the ships is, at this time, the most common strategy. We discussed the fact that the Space Force considered forcing the precursor vessels out of system to be a paraic victory, and that the system will require a heavy metal posting. Was also informed that the fact that the precursor fleet retreated from the planets and then from the system was a statistical oddity, and he wanted more scans. He also inquired as to whether or not I ran an in-depth scan on the gas giants, which is where the Goliaths were spawning from. I regret that I had not merely a scan for the Goliath. He appeared quite concerned with the actions undertaken, but did congratulate me on defending the system. Transphasic photon torpedoes are considered standard armaments for all Starfleet vessels from here on out. This is talk of smaller planet crackers being put to use amongst the crew, but planet crackers rely on mantle of the core to interaction. Quantum torpedoes are nothing option that I am seriously considering. Phasing plasma torpedoes are largely considered to be up-class when weaponry, but I am seriously considered just loading everything up and going for broke. Tri-cobalt missiles might be another option, but the last time anyone used that was during the Fifth Dominion War. The Dakota is so far out of specifications that mounting such weapons is not as far-fetched as it may have sounded a month ago. It isn't like anything else we're going to do is going to count for the leadership boards. On a personal note, some of my crew members have reported headaches from the Suds interfaces. McCoy is working on it, but he also warned that the transporters may be the reconfiguring after the discovery that the precursors can hijack the signal and capture crew members that way. Starfleet transporters are much more carefully aligned than the earlier Mattrans or teleporter systems used by the 40k LARPers. Safety interlocks prevent our transporters from being used in many cases that a teleporter could be used, require more power and have triple feedback redundancy checks. 
An amusing point, teleporter systems seem to go straight through the shields. McCoy and Spock both believe that the lengthened amount of time for the buffer checking allows the precursor shielding to be adjusted for an algorithm used by Starfleet vessels. Another amusing point, during my LFG call, the Wesleys were lined up all around the station core. Nobody is taking them on these despite the class advantages because outside the structured missions of Starfleet games, nobody is going to suddenly have Wesley weaknesses just because. On a personal note, my Riker has grown out of his beard and has been socializing with his Space Force peers in order to get us more information on the street. Picard 8873 Captain's Personal Log Stardate 8532.304 one thing I don't mention when the sheer amount of time that you spend moving from place to place. Warp drive is highly efficient and safe compared to string drive, slipstream gates, and jump space. Unlike hyperspace, AIs are able to remain conscious in warp. Still, I feel the urge to yell, Go faster! at the warp nacelles. My Spock took me to the side and warned me that Starfleet vessels may be breaking serious mistake. Often, the precursors take damage and flee the system, using Hull Space to jump out. He has noticed that after roughly 8% of their structure is damaged, they then flee. He also had checked the Starfleet records. I'm the only vessel at this time running transphasic photon torpedoes. He has suggested an experiment. Utilize transphasic torpedoes, phase plasma torpedoes, but leave one out of every barrage of ten with the phased plasma torpedoes. With a subspace beacon, in that manner we can discover where they are running off to. My Spark has put forward the theory, and my Scotty and LaForge, as well as my Riker, all agree. They are refitting, repairing, and constructing bases somewhere. Perhaps our plan to put the phasic subspace beacon aboard one of their larger vessels will pan out. I do not feel concerned about what my crew might find in the Precursor shipyard. Picard 8873 Captain's Personal Log Stardate 8532.305 We have returned to the system that myself and others had cleared. In particular, we are running long-range sensor scans on the gas giants. My checkoff has suggested, and I concur, that getting in close and running more detailed but shorter-range scans might put us too close. I would really like to avoid a barrage of NCV shells. Our Ahura... She's extremely qualified and did not object to me double-checking her bona fides, is keeping a careful ear out for precursor transmissions. I have left orders that the faintest whisper of precursor code the coder is to move to red alert. The systems look empty, but there is something that makes me only think there are four lights. Picard 8873 Addendum There is apparently no structures or other masses in the gas giant at the depths of our long-range passive scanners can reach. Captain's Personal Log, Stardate 8532.307 Our Hura spotted at first a subspace whisper, a complex and shifting binary, barely audible, while others suggested we move in, trying to get a lock-in on what was whispering across subspace in such a manner I ordered the ship to immediately go to silent running. No emissions. We observed a Goliath exit hullspace near the larger gas giant, streaming vapor and metal, its attendant vessels exiting with it. As we watched, it allowed the attendant vessels to bore through the massive docking ports. Side note. Some of those bays are the size of the real San Francisco Ultraplex. The whispers picked up on the massive Goliath sank into the gas giant. 
My crews estimate that the three initially engaged Goliaths on our last action had been repaired themselves was confirmation bias. For a bare moment, the whisper got louder, and the Goliath that had sunk into the gas giant was in plain view of the massive long-range scanners, then simply vanished. The belief of my Spark and Scotty is that the precursors have some kind of shielded reefed structure inside the gas giant, beyond the scanner horizon. The Forge has stated that the pressure at such a depth would make any construction and repairs inordinately difficult. My Riker reminded the Forge that precursors were engaged in a war where they vanished and these bases are not only wartime bases, but that there are no living crews to worry about. I ordered my crew to remain on silent running. There is enough debris on the planet to cover a probe approach. Mother Forge has suggested putting the probe data relay in the Oort cloud to give the signals to a few bouncers and use only phasic tachyon streams to reverse polarity. Sometimes I wish we didn't have all our own names for technology. Why could we have just said paired quark communications? Picard 8873 Captain's personal log, Stardate 8532.309 the probe has moved into place carefully, following a piece of debris from the previous battle. During this time, our Hura caught another scrap of what she has come to call as precursor whispers from the other gas giant. My spark reminded me that the intense pressure inside the massive gas giant could make foundry work easier, allowing the creation of hyper-alloys that we need massive foundries to utilize the inherent pressure of the massive gas giant to create alloy farms inside the gas giant. Another ship has arrived, which I have labeled as an Enki-class precursor, has arrived and taken into the carefully going over the debris field and the Starfleet battle. Thankfully, the Klanon and Romulan officers routinely utilize antimatter charges to clear any debris from the destruction of our ships. It moved the wreckage and mining ship and has been spending time there. It is an extreme range and I am becoming nervous about what it is doing. The precursor attitudes within the star system are concerning. Have you ever looked into an inanimate machine with no living characterizations like a data processor and thought to yourself, What are you up to? As you watched it, I have that unique experience. They are up to something. Picard 8873 Captain's Personal Log, Stardate 8532.310 The probe provided us with a valuable information that is critical to disseminate. We are now, to use my Riker's phrase, running like a bat out of hell. Passive scans can only penetrate to a certain depth within the gas giant. Starfleet has been largely worried about planetary scans as well as deep space and intrasystem scans. Combine it with the fact that we use a lot of gamification in our systems. Gas giants were largely used as spawn points for crafts. This meant that, naturally, our scanners largely could not penetrate deeply into gas giants. My Scotty and LaForge recalibrated the sensor arrays to get a good look inside the gas giant. My Spock was right. The precursors were growing large alloy fields down there. There was some repair and manufacturing base the size of a continent down inside the gas giant with massive alloy farms around it. Before the scale would have shocked me until my Spock pointed out that the great eye of Jupiter is twice the size of Terra itself. Nearly two dozen precursor vessels were docked at the facility. Discussions on how to deal with it, this massive repair and refit base was discussed at closed meetings among my command crew. It ranged from using a Genesis device on the gas giant 
Not recommended, my LaForge stated that the precursor ships we're facing here are more adept at learning than previously encountered precursor types, and the last thing we should do is provide them with panicillas that create more resources. To attempting to use a modified planet cracker on the gas giant, again tabled due to concerns a precursor would imitate it. We settled on phasic transphasic photon torpedoes mixed in with tri-bolts missiles. Our attack was dual. Destroy the debris field of the Romulus class mining vessel, which was being thoroughly combed over by the Enki class precursor vessels. Damage or perhaps even destroy the facility and the alloy farms inside the gas giant. We came in from above the stellar plane at high velocity angle. When facing precursor vessels, your speed and maneuverability are key to staying alive. We fired probes while still 25 million miles away from the stellar plane. We came in with the only debris shields at full power. The probes reported back that while there were life signs on the planets, the green and amber zones, the precursor vessels around those planets and upon the surface were not engaged in wholesale slaughter or destruction. We practically turned the centers inside out, getting deep scans of everything. Once in range, Starfleet weaponry is somewhat, to use my Riker's term, short-legged compared to Space Force line weaponry. I ordered full scans at maximum power and resolution. Normally, this is avoided to prevent damage to sentient beings and xeno species, but the precursors aren't a foe that one should concern themselves with scanner burn. Precursor vessels were not rising from the grass giants, while some immediately launched or moved to engage us from various points in the system. Near distance and geometry prevented any attacks. At 30 million miles, even NCV weapons and phaser beams moved too slowly to engage a ship that size of the Dakota. We launched weapons and immediately began accelerating to be able to put enough distance between any precursor vehicles and our own vessel. We got our scan data back and immediately realized that engaging the precursor vessels was now secondary, if not tertiary mission. All four of the gas giants contained refit facilities of the size that best described as geological. That was not the key data. Our Hura was able to isolate the precursor whisper, and while unable to decode it, was able to confirm what it was. FTL data streams, their battle strategic and tactical network. The planets, while full of life and processing several different species known as unified civilized races, were all set Stone Age technology. Precursor vessels were moving to protect the planets and their inhabitants for unknown reasons. This information was vital to Starfleet, Space Force, and all other Confederacy organizations. Picard 8873 Captain Slog, Stardate 8532.311 Dakota has now had its very own Abrams Khan moment. We were fired on in warp drive. The precursor vessel mounted one of the Galaxy-class Starfleet vessel engines and pursued us. With a lighter frame, the lighter energy output, and not having to concern itself with warp drive effects on living beings, it was not only able to catch us up, but fire upon us. Iriker has stated that anyone who mocks us for having such thick armor after this will be starting a brawl. We are alive only because of my insistence on heavy armor. Structural integrity fields running the same type of shield frequency algorithms as our main deflector shields, with dual structural fields layered between armor and structural layers. Immediately upon being fired upon, we dropped out of warp drive to engage in smaller precursor vessel. Chekhov stated that it would be between stellar bodies and it should have been bare battlefield with not even a gas whispers. Instead, 
We dropped into half a dozen Jotun-class vessels waiting for us. We are currently undergoing evasive warp maneuvers, as estimated by my Spock and my LaForge. Picard 8873. Captain's personal log, Stardate 8532.313. They're attempting to drive us deeper into the dead zone. This gives us a fairly unusual opportunity. We can see where they are trying to push us, or we can attempt to escape. Spock and Scotty believe that it is imperative that we discover what it is that the Precursors believe can take us out compared to the Jotuns following us. Riker and the Forge maintain our goal should be reaching Federation Confederate space. I believe that I have a better idea. Picard 883 Captain's Log, Stardate 8532.315 Rather than allow us to be pushed further into the dead zone, I order the ship to move at the right angle to the galactic plane at full warp 9.3. While this can interfere with suds, uploads, and storage, I have decided that the risk is necessary. Captain's Log, Stardate 8532.317 The Precursor machines are still in close pursuit. They are arranging for an attempted ambush. LaForge has theorized that the one following us, which the warp-capable photon torpedo launcher welded onto the Galaxy-class engine and wrapped in a neutronium armor, sends out a whisper as soon as it sees the warp flare from our engines. That enables the precursor vessels to hull jump to where we'll be exiting. Scotty has a plan. Luckily, I didn't dump my old class data, so I still have Kirk Knowledge database. Spock is overriding the interlocks to allow me to access that data. It's risky, but it's acceptable. Captain's Log, Stardate 8532.317, Supplemental. By utilizing the holodeck, blank suds, and carefully aligned emitters, Spock believes that I will be able to load the data from Kirk character class into my memories, despite being a Picard. He will attempt to use the mind meld ability to keep me from collapsing under the dual class. The precursor will be in range inside 30 minutes. I have no choice. Captain's personal log, Stardate 8532.317.7. The melding is somewhat successful. I have conflicting emotions and desires regarding many subjects, but thankfully both my knowledge and personality templates are Starfleet officers. By use of the mind meld, my stock was able to use an older exploit involving class rank and player knowledge. Contrary to popular opinion, her classes are not womanizing hotheads despite Abrams' era semi-canon but rather highly innovative early Starfleet officers. It is just that the mission files force Kirk to use half-experimental technology in innovating ways in order to overcome unknown experiences and foes. One of the things often overlooked is Kirk made a rank of admiral was quite cautious in many ways. Still, the dissonance between the Picard and Kirk class is quite intense. I am suffering nosebleeds. McCoy says that it's from intracranial pressure as my brain attempts to sort through the information. I have not informed him the fact that I have severe suds hangover. Picard 8873 Captain's Log, Stardate 8532.318 After examining old scans of the Galaxy-class ship that was defeated, I was able to ascertain its hull number. Using that number and knowledge possessed by an Admiral-level Kirk class, when the Precursor Pursuer came close enough to fire, I was able to drop a warp shields. The Precursor Pursuer was exposed to a raw warp energy at that time, inhibiting its ability to see the Dakota, specifically causing us to appear much further away than warp conduit. The Precursor fell back and I ordered the Dakota to move to emergency warp speed. 
9.998 Okoda scale. The precursor, Prosua, immediately went to maximum speed of the Galaxy-class engines that attached little more than armor, bare shields, and a torpedo launcher. Warp 10. Without trans-warp shielding or any other technology, the precursor Pursua achieved infinite velocity and infinite mass. The explosion damaged the Dakota, and it's left us drifting in normal space. Scotty and LaForge estimate the repair of three weeks. Pecock 8873. Captain's Log, Stardate 8532.325. We are again underway after a successful destruction of the precursor pursuit vehicle. Maximum warp is limited to warp 5.4. Estimated time to arrival at Starbase 4973 is 11 days. Pocock 8873. Captain's Personal Log, Stardate 8532.332. My suds has been scrambled and bad. I'm no longer Jeffrey von Lidl, born in Rigel, but instead a curious combination of the character neural templates of my old personality. Scotty, McCoy, and LaForge are examining me, not in the hopes of unwinding my personalities, but rather to forward the information to Solnet in hopes that it can be prevented from occurring to others, no matter how unusual the circumstances. The gamed memories no longer have a distinguishable overlay that Starfleet uses for safety measures. Instead, all of my memories feel the same. Which is confusing. I remember racing a motorcycle in the wheat fields of Oklahoma, outside of Paris, under the Regalian red sky. My gestalt personality agrees that it is worth it for the information that we have and to save the ship and the crew. Jeff Percock, 8873. Captain's Log, Stardate 8532.334. Pro-term acting Captain Riker, 2173 commanding. Previous captain is suffering the effects of Sud's template merger, needing to access information to allow the destruction of the precursor pursuer. Captain Jeff Bacock was relieved of command with the acceptance and willingly two hours ago. Bridge and command officers are in agreement with this action. We are two days out of Starbase 4973. Riker, 2173. Captain's personal log, Stardate 8532.335. Would I have done it, knowing what I had to do now? Yes. My suds cannot update. The neural template recordings fragment and unravel. I am no longer immortal, but there is no such thing as only humans. Humans, without the suds, accomplished incredible feats just as grit and determination. However, I can no longer participate in active combat Starfleet games. 200 years of larping down the tubes. I made a good choice with my Riker. The hardest thing to do is relieve your captain for a cause. He had a good cause. Jeff Pecock, 8873. Captain's Log, Stardate 8532.336. I've docked the Dakota and am granting shore leave to the crew. Captain Pecock was taken to Space Force Infirmary via stretcher with McCoy in attendance. Our mission is complete. Space Force has our data in their possession. For some reason, the precursors kept entire worlds of roughly half the Xenosapiens of the unified civilized races. Gash giants must now be treated as precursor-based risks. I am hoping Jeff recovers. The fact that he remembered an ancient piece of the lore from the old Trek Khan is honestly impressive. Undergoing an in-mission partial respec was risky. We'll report to Starfleet and see what happens. Riker 2173 Starfleet Gaming Central Notice 
Jeffrey from Lidl. Player number 7C345A71-8873 is hereby promoted to Starfleet Admiral and is hereby recalled to Earth-42 to Starfleet Headquarters in New San Fran. In accordance with his wishes, the Dakota, a non-canon American-class ship, is hereby given to Riker 56A817C38F2-2173, including all templates and player rewards. Nothing follows. Space Force Memo, all captains, initial estimates of 30 to 50 Goliath-class turtle forces is an error. New ship types encountered, new facilities discovered. See attached file. Nothing follows. Confed memo. Manted. Any idea about this? Nothing follows. Manted pre-worlds. Beyond cattle worlds, we cannot estimate why precursors of all things would have an older races reduced to primitive on worlds that being observed. Nothing follows. Black Crusade. Extermination, idiots. The Palahal ship should have made you think of that. They are trying to figure out a way to counter us. Nothing follows. End of chapter. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode, and I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.